We are um, uh, we're kind of at a, at a little exciting moment. October has uh, been so far a, a, a much more promising month than uh, certainly uh, uh, September and uh, the summer were. Uh, we were still having a lot of uh, problems with our pandemic. And of course, Ida and the fallout from Ida is still terrible for many people in the state. So I am uh, thrilled today um, uh, on Crosstown Conversations to have with me Carl Joe Williams, who's one of the really interesting and um, I think eclectic, I might say, artists in town, because he does a lot of different kinds of things. And I really have to say, frankly, I admire artists who don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, as some do uh, to maintain their market uh, rather than being what they're um, really meant to be, which is creative and exploring different uh, ideas, which my husband does. And I, I know that it's it, it's more challenging than doing mm -hmm. the same thing over and over again, but, uh, but I res respect what you're doing. And I was happy to see you as a satellite for Prospect 5 this year. And I'm thrilled with what you're doing in terms of um, working with young people in the city as well. So um, I'm excited to hear. Um, let's start with just a little bit about not just a little bit about, but let's start with um, what exactly uh, it looks like um, uh, this your presentation for Prospect 5 is going to look like. And Prospect is a big deal around town and not everybody in the city knows about it. Sometimes I think people outside of the city know more about it than inside the city, but nonetheless, right. it's a big deal. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, honestly, this project started roughly two years ago. Um, oh. We've been working uh, with some of the students at the Net High School and uh, in conjunction with, uh, it was, it's an arts council project, uh, working with the Gentilly Resilience District. And it was really exploring ideas about water management um, and really trying to figure out ways to uh, uh, live with water in, in a better way. I mean, we, we're in a kind of a precarious situation here in this city um you know we got global warming the city is actually sinking like three centimeters a year or something like that and then you have the the oceans rising and and then we were going on a bunch of different field trips it was me and and some youth i, I would say they were between the ages of uh, 16 and 22. um so we went on a lot of field trips um and one of the most, uh, I, I would say, impactful field trips was actually going to uh, Sewage and Water Board and exploring <laughs> Sewage and Water Board and really talking to them about what they do and uh, some of the impact that they make in, in, in the community. And it was really interesting because at the time we were actually flooding like all the time, like any little bit of water. <laughs> Which, was that one of those uh, just big rainstorms we had before Ida? Yeah, yeah. 
So it, I, and I think when every the, rainstorm has become scary now, every oh, yeah. rainstorm. Absolutely, absolutely. And then I've, I've found out part of the reason why is partly due to uh, just a lot of litter and trash that get caught up in, um, in the pipes. Yes, it's, it was it was actually mind blowing when we actually got a chance to see the level of 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 plastic debris that gets caught up in the system. Yeah, and uh, so that was one of the one of the elements that we incorporated into the work. So I mean, it's a bit of a long story. I'm working with Yam also. So it's the Net High School. YAM, Young Artists Movement, and the Arts Council of New Orleans, and the Gentilly Resilience uh, District. So all of those. That's a few. That's a few colla so, right. so collaboration, you and your students are deeply right. uh, getting experience in collaboration. Absolutely. And initially, because I worked with YAM uh, before on uh, a couple of uh, mural projects, I worked with Keith Duncan when he did his um, mural uh, near uh, uh, the, I can't think of it, the breezeway, uh, uh, whatever they call it. But Keith Duncan did a mural um, in, in town, in the city, and I, I helped him on that. And then I worked on another project at a hostel on Canal Street um, with Yam. Um, we worked on that together. And in this particular uh, situation, um, we really, really worked together. Like we um, talked about water, we talked about materials, we talked about um, all the different ways to express a lot of these ideas together. And I would take a lot of their drawings and then would incorporate those drawings into different ideas, bring it back to class. And it was a it was a long process before we got to the point where we're at. But the reason why they look like they do, because I started with this idea of a of a uh, a mural. But I was open to this idea of that mural becoming something more sculptural. So that's the reason why the piece pretty much looks like a wall. And um, and I was I was kind of I was interested in, in actually taking that idea and kind of um, expand, expanding on it with the, with the students. So now we have a wall that's very sculptural, but also something that the, the young people didn't know about was, um, they didn't know anything about casting. About and casting? Casting, yeah. yeah. And I thought that would be an interesting uh, way to teach them about, um, you know, how you can actually incorporate three-dimensional work into something that was two-dimensional. And so we went through this long process of acquiring a bunch of uh, brown wax and um, uh, hot, uh, hot plates. And, and so we was in class with a bunch of wax and, and, and plaster cast and, we were doing it and I was showing them and showing them how to do it. And I don't, you know, I don't think they had a, a, a clue as to how it was really gonna come out, but we wound up doing it in aluminum, which of course it was affordable. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Dan from uh, uh, Dan Alley, um, Dan Alley, um, 
he he uh, and his uh, team wind up being uh, the spot where who who actually built the the sculpture for us and. Uh, so it was it was quite a process. I mean, this, this sculpture was supposed to be up like two years ago, but then COVID hit, and yeah, you know, and then a hurricane upset, and then uh, then I had a, a, a COVID scare. So it was it was crazy. So yeah, so at the Levy Bridge site, we wind up um, having more of a, a large scale sculpture that was sixteen foot by eight foot and that was more monumental and it was it really designed uh to be more of a memorial type of type of piece um that was really a memorial to the resilience of the community um but also uh trying to create some kind of visual poetry between these kind of water forms that i was using which is you know the type of uh, forms that go in my, that I use all the time that's found in nature and uh, using elements from the streets and houses and the ground and God, I wish I could pull it up and show you, you know, but um, we went through and I allowed the kids to find different things that they could use to make casting so we could just oppose these elements of different things throughout uh, our human existence, houses, cars, um, ground, cracks in the pavement, all of that kind of stuff, just opposed against all of these um, elements that related to water, you know, and that's the reason why, you know, I used the, uh, the word harmony and unity to kind of describe the work because it's this idea that we have to live in harmony with nature somehow. But, it, you know, it also feels like we sh there are some things that we should have done a really long time ago to uh, prepare ourselves for some of the things that we're dealing with now. <laughs> so it, it, it makes you wonder, are we going to be able to survive for another 40 years or so in this region and in other regions that's having some of the same issues like Miami and and places like that, you know, because there are other places besides New Orleans that are having some of the same issues. It's just that we're probably top of the list as being the most threatened, you know. So it's been a, it's been a bit of a journey. Top of the list, but the, the challenges um, uh, are come uh, quickly without uh, warning, and 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 people. Um, who are not used to it and not prepared for it um, mm -hmm. have a harder time, I think, even in dealing with the shock of a, of a you know, a, a storm that drops more than five inches of rain suddenly that wow. overwhelms any sewage system. I don't, I don't care. You know, yes, we are, as they always say, a bowl. And mm -hmm. so you're pump the water out. And that, that's right. something we learned how to do. We also don't share our lessons quite as much as I wish we would. Right. And that's something that I think is going to change that we're going to have to really, um, as we solve the issue of how to live, if we want to, mm -hmm. to continue to live in an area that is, is so impacted by uh, climate change, then 
uh, we need to share our lessons with other people. And we mm -hmm. already, I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about what Amsterdam knows how to do when the truth is that the pumping system that we have in our city, we gave them. And right. so they learned from us. And a lot of people don't realize that. So um, I think I'll, I'll bet your kids are really uh, getting a, a lot of, uh, um, you know, um, a lot of learning about how they're going to survive here in the future. And, and for them, it's really important because they're going to be around when it gets even worse than yeah. we're experiencing it. Yeah, exactly. And that was that was part of the, the intent of these projects is to actually bring more awareness to the next generation about uh, these type of issues and what we can do to collectively uh, try to minimize some of the negative effects of, of global warming in the region. So, to what extent do you see your students continuing to work on issues having to do with living with water in their uh, creative pursuits? What's your impression from working with them? Um, my impression is they're going to have a, a it's going to be a, a lot more conscious in the forefront of their minds uh, moving forward. And, you know, anytime we have some kind of some issues with water in the city, I think they're going to be a lot more conscious of it and probably do more to uh, create actions to try to minimize some of the effects. Uh, and hopefully they can teach their their children and, and family and friends to do the same. But some of this stuff is is actually, some of it is, uh, uh, you know, we have some power. I mean, especially in like littering. <laughs> I mean, the gazillion bottles was, 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 uh, was really impactful. There are things we can, each of us do without a doubt. Exactly, exactly. So, um... Uh, I, I, let, let me also ask you, in addition to how you feel the students are, are, are being um, shaped in their thinking about their work and, and the future here, uh, what about you? How, how, how did this uh, work um, impact your thinking and your work and your decisions about um, continuing life here? Um, it's, it's made me a lot more worried and a lot more concerned about, about our future. Um, however, um, I, I feel like we can only do what we can individually and try to you know, come together collectively and, and, and try to solve some of these problems. But it's like you know, thinking about ways to make more rain gardens and um, you know, keep the trash out of the, you know, out of the drainage uh, and, and there's, there's just so many, and that's what I found out in this process of learning more because there's so many components to this that it's almost hard to, to really get a hold of, you know, because there's so many components to it. Uh, but I have learned that, um, you know, we, we actually do have to be very, very conscious of the fact that we're in a, very very delicate place and um we have to do more to you know to collectively um to try to control I, I think that's what maybe was the was perhaps the most important aspect of what you did was how you had to bring all those different parties together in that collective process i'm sure that 
is, is the, the kids who worked on uh, on this this with you are not going to forget the value of that process. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Um, I, I'm uh, and you know I have a teaching background. I used to teach high school. I used to teach at Rod Wayne before it, before they closed down. Uh, taught art there, and so I um, I. I feel pretty at home working with young people and I always feel like a mentor. I always have a kind of a mentor uh, kind of uh, attitude. I'm always trying to teach and I'm always trying to expose to new experiences and things like that. So I'm hoping that it, it did make a, an impact and I'm hoping that they'll remember the experience. Um, it seems like so far the first piece went up last week and and it seems that I, I got a few messages from some of the students and they were pretty happy to see it and happy to have gone through this long, long, long process. And I was happy to be, you know, I was happy to, to, to show uh, young artists um, how long these kinds of processes can really be. And I, I thought that was really cool to, for all of us to move through that process together. I thought that was kind of, kind of awesome you know and out of the group there's some there's some pretty serious artists that i was really happy to work with serious young artists so it was, it was i had i had some exposure to some of those kids on a project that i was trying to do with them that kind of got aborted by covid and this the sale of the space that i was working in but i, I want to come back to it i was trying to do something about the history of sports in New Orleans, which is actually very interesting because you know it, it 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 was a kind of microcosm through which racial issues were worked through, mm -hmm. as you can imagine. And so um, I'm looking forward to still realizing that project. Um, Carl Joe Williams, I'm I'm about out of town. I just want to um, uh, say that I, I'd love to hear uh, more about what you're up to as as things go forward. And so, uh, please stay in touch with me and um, and share with me uh, your latest directions. Of just give me a kind of a quick um, send off comment on what's the next thing you might do. <laughs> wow. Um... I'm working on a, a piece in Portland, Maine. Uh, I'm working with uh, formerly incarcerated youth. And, and I'm trying to work on a piece um, that uh, will give them a voice in helping to close down a place called Long Creek, which is a correctional facility for young people. That's something that's still in the works I'm still in the works. I'm, I'm probably going to be working on that later on today, and I'm and I've also been working on a series of uh, of meditations. I'm also a musician, so I've been working on a series of meditations, and that's a long story. But we'll we'll uh, do a separate piece on that soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, let, let me just say that um, I think that uh, um, there's no doubt that uh, your multi-talented capabilities are gonna be really important, especially for those incarcerated, previously incarcerated youths, because my, I have a theory about those kids. I think that many of them are creatives mm -hmm. who were not handling the regimentation of school well, because I just happened to be married to an artist and I know that 
you know, he, 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 I don't know how he got through the lower grades because I know he didn't do homework. He didn't go to school half the time. And <laughs> so, and when that, when a, when a, when a child falls into that pattern uh-huh. and, and they're, and, and they are challenged in school and their esteem drops, that's when they seek other territories for that esteem. And that's mm-hmm. when they get into a danger. So my yeah. theory is if it can ever be tested and maybe someone's done some research on this, is that a high number of those youth behind bars were, were kids who felt like they were behind bars in school mm-hmm. and had to get out. So yeah. we'll follow up on this next time. Yes, Thank you is. so much for, for yes, telling me about your project. I'm gonna try to see if I can't come back with you and uh, afterwards. I've got to stop right now. I have a cold stop, but I'd love to see if I could get a little bit of footage that um, now that the radio station is putting this on um, FaceTime Live, mm-hmm. uh, if I could get a little bit of footage to add to this so that people can see what we're talking about, it might be a, a great thing to do. I haven't done that yet, but it's been okay. on my mind because you know I used to be a television reporter and I'm used to working with those visuals. Okay. And I just want to compliment you on your background, which is obviously your artwork. And I have to say it's the best background I've ever seen on a Zoom call. Thanks, it's my uncle. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much you can see, but yeah, it's my uncle. I'm I'm doing a painting of him. It's a, it's abstract what I can see, but it's it's beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so so much. You All keep right. and Thank uh, you. keep me keep me in touch, okay? All right, we'll do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but we are here today, first of all, with Sydney Torres, who is um he is an attorney, but he's really a leader in the development of the creative industries in St. Bernard Parish, I like to say, because he has um, generated an important film studio there that's having an incredible impact in terms of uh, really looking at an economy of the future, it, which is one of the things that we really have to be doing in our state. Um, but there's a development that is concerning for um, Sydney and many others in the parish. And um, that's what we're gonna talk about uh, today. Um, and interestingly, sometimes these uh, kinds of um, uh, concerning conflict-ridden uh, efforts turn into opportunities. And I think that's hopefully what will come out of this. But um, Sydney, please share with us the concern that uh, citizens in St. Bernard have about um, the developing plans by the Port of New Orleans to put a containerized shipping facility in St. Bernard um, it, near Violet, or I should maybe say in Violet, you'll have to uh, specify that for us a little bit. Uh, why this is of such great concern? Well, first of all, good morning, Jean. Good morning. Uh, and, uh, as you know, St. Bernard is a narrow strip of land and uh, it goes from east to west. And we're not configured for the type of development that is being proposed. As a matter of fact, what is being proposed by the Port of New Orleans would be completely destructive to our community, our culture in St. Bernard Parish. And, uh, and so it's, it, it's really, this is one of those times, you know, at Crevasse 22, uh, we've been discussing environmental themes for several years now. And Crevasse this- Crevasse 22 being a, a, um, an art site uh, on the banks of, a, of what was a bayou became kind of a lake as a result of a, a crevasse in that area. And uh, this is something that you have sponsored through um, your and Roberta Burns's uh, trust. And, and we are grateful to the opportunity to be able to do things in the arts there. Yes, and as I was We're saying- what you meant. <laughs> okay. 
this is probably the most compelling uh, environmental message that we will be discussing or may ever discuss because uh, this is uh, something that uh, is eminent and uh, the site is located right within uh, uh, throwing a stone distance uh, from where the proposed port would be. And uh, we also just one mile from uh, the uh, crevasse 27, which was another one of the ideas of the Port of New Orleans. Let me just give you a little background. The Port of New Orleans uh, has been known to come up with these ideas and actually has gone forward and developed and has caused massive damage to not just St. Bernard, but to our entire metropolitan area. Uh, it started with the industrial canal uh, uh, back when, and uh, that, as we all know, has turned into an environmental catastrophe today. They're gonna throw in the towel and let somebody else pick up where they left off to pay for the damages. Then in 1927, shortly after the industrial canal was uh, constructed, uh, we had the, uh, the Mississippi River uh, rising and there was the perception that the water would overtop the industrial locks. And so uh, in order to uh, address that perception for their bankers, the Port of New Orleans decided that they were gonna come down to St. Bernard at Carnarvon and blow up the Mississippi River levee, which caused destruction to families and businesses in St. Bernard Parish. Uh, and then later on, they decided that they wanted to shorten the distance between the industrial canal and the Gulf of Mexico. So they dug the Mr. Go, the MRGO. And we all know what has happened as a result of that. We've had uh, destruction of our wetlands in biblical proportions. And then of course, when Katrina hit, it completely destroyed St. Bernard Parish. So uh, in this show, which is this Sunday. By the way, Gene, I think we may have good weather this Sunday for the show. Uh, Sounds gonna... a little chilly. That's great. <laughs> yeah, a little chilly. But uh, those of you who have been down there before know the site. and We've had people come back many times. And we'd like to invite others to come because uh, uh, we really are facing uh, destruction. And uh, it's something that is, they're moving forward very rapidly with this. As the CEO from the Port of New Orleans has said, uh, they consider that the, uh, how did she put it? I think that the, uh, the shot clock uh, is working against them. Uh, they're referring to St. Bernard as their ace in the hole. They're talking about infrastructure in place to be able to accommodate these massive ships that will uh, dock at their pier and unload these containers. And uh, the fact of the matter is we are not set up to be able to accommodate. Uh, and as I said, the configuration of St. Bernard does not allow for it. And uh, just the traffic alone would be devastating to our community to be on the roadways which are unsuitable to sustain the type of traffic that would come. And uh, again, it's not just St. Bernard, this is gonna flow into New Orleans. Uh, it's gonna flow into the interstate going to Slidell. Uh, we see what's going on all over the world right now that uh, these ships are being delayed because of uh, lack of drivers. In this case here, they're putting in, in, in a location where it's doomed for failure, not only for, for the state of Louisiana and the destruction of St. Bernard, and, uh, and one of the things that we want to point to and we will talk about uh, at our show is that there are viable alternatives. And the Port of New Orleans is driven by the fact that this is within their jurisdiction. 
And anything that falls within their jurisdiction allows them to profit from it. And they're not looking at the good of the state. This project, if it goes forward, will ruin the opportunity for the state of Louisiana to meaningfully be in the, uh, in the container uh, business. Uh, they're not looking at it futuristically. Uh, the, the, the solution is to, is to locate this uh, further into downriver in, in the deep waters. And uh, if they do that, then that could be a plan where they could offload and distribute all up the Mississippi River and, and possibly even uh, service in South American countries. So again, and they have a history of this. I call them the masters of disaster. And they've proven this over the last hundred years. And they've got three strikes, they're out. And uh, in, in the show that we're gonna have, Gene, is designed for us to have people come in and be educated, people who, uh, who uh, cherish community life. Uh, who are concerned about uh, the environment uh, and who are concerned about the, the financial viability of a project that these people are going to, uh, the Port of New Orleans is going to drag everybody down. They've been noted in these type of projects that they go forward. You can take the industrial canal, that field, they're leaving billions of dollars in, in destruction and damage behind there. When they came to St. Bernard and they blew up the levee, uh, no one was compensated, so that caused damage to the homeowners and businesses in St. Bernard. And we all know that Hurricane Katrina destroyed the entire area. And, uh, and that was caused because of the, uh, the, the digging of the Mistigo. It continued to erode and it, it presented itself as a, as a super highway for the water to come in. In this case here, the, what they're proposing to do in St. Bernard, Gene, is to bring these ships in. And we would be a continuation of a mass, mass transportation system. Nothing more, nothing less. They need to get these containers on the ground and the volume that they will have uh, based upon their own drawing, showing what they're gonna put. They're gonna have two berths to, to uh, accommodate two million uh, TEUs per year, and they have a vision for a third berth. And What's a TEU? Get, uh, that, that's a 20-foot equivalent. So those are the, the, the containers you see on the highway. Some are 20 feet, some are 40 feet. And, uh, and when they get them there, they're going to have to move these things quickly. We've seen what has happened. Uh, first of all, the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal uh, for a week rocked the economy of the world. We see right now, if you pick up the paper anywhere in the world right now, these ships are offshore because of the, uh, the restrictions and constrictions of the flow of the traffic. Well, they're putting it in a place when they locate the, uh, this facility or they try to, trying to locate this facility in the middle of St. Bernard, they're gonna have to be able to move these containers, uh, by, the majority of them by truck, and uh, it's just simply not gonna work. And frankly, they're being greedy, they're being short-sighted, and they're not only going to destroy a community, not if we can help it, we're going to, we have thousands of people in St. Bernard who are coming forward, we have people from elsewhere who are coming forward, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and we need to stop them in their tracks, and again, getting back to the messaging at Crevasse 22, we're going to open this weekend, but we're going to have many weekends where we'll be there to discuss this, we need people to come forward. You know, over the years, we've discussed 
things that have happened in the past. We talk about anticipating that things that would ha happen in the future. This is right here staring us in the face. And they're trying to bulldoze us and we need to stop it. And we need the help of everybody in the surrounding areas to step forward, whether it's to help us save our community or help them, help uh, us stop them from doing something that will uh, hurt the state of Louisiana in its attempt to be futuristic in a business that we could thrive in if we do it right. So, so one of the things that some of the uh, folks, uh, at, I, I attended the uh, meeting um, that you all had uh, on Friday at uh, Rocky and Carlos, where a number of, of people who were involved in organizing the um, SOS or Save Our St. Bernard attended. And, and one of the people said, well, isn't this a quote, done deal? And you had a very interesting answer to that. And, and, and I think that's one of the chief concerns that the, the um, port has certainly been uh, doing their kind of official homework as opposed to their community outreach homework and uh, you know really uh, getting into the back rooms and the offices of public officials to build support for this without really uh, um, uh, reflecting on the dangers that you've been speaking of. So how do you answer the question uh, from people, um, isn't this a done deal? It's not a done deal. And we're standing up, as I said, by the thousands to fight this. And it's all about educating people as to what's going on here. The Port of New Orleans would like everybody to believe that it is a done deal because that works their advantage to advance the ball further down the line. And uh, in, in their view, if they can get it there, then uh, uh, create this situation and we'll figure out how to mitigate it afterwards. We're not gonna allow that to happen this time. And there's too many reasons why this shouldn't happen in St. Bernard. And that's why we're pointing all of these out. They have a long ways to go, but you know, this whole deal started out, uh, call it the fruit of the poisonous tree. The, the, the St. Bernard port had gotten themselves in trouble because several years ago, they decided to take over an ongoing private business. So they went in and they expropriated with the intent of turning it over to someone they were already doing business with. As it turned out, they went through the court system and the courts, basically a lot of the judges in there talked about that was the most egregious use of the expropriating, uh, expropriation power that they had seen. But nevertheless, it came out where at the end of the uh, case, they were required to come up with twice as much money as they had uh, put in the registry to pay. They didn't have the money. So rather than going belly up, uh, they, at the end of last year, on December 29th, made a deal with the Port of New Orleans and basically sold out not only the Port of St. Bernard, but the parish of St. Bernard to the Port of New Orleans. And, uh, and so uh, that's a deal that needs to be looked at. Why didn't they go to the public and try to find some other way to bail themselves out of this predicament that they got themselves in? Because they all along had expressed this that a container port in St. Bernard would, be, would not be sustainable because of the traffic that would be created. All of a sudden on December 29th, that problem didn't exist anymore. To save themselves, they went ahead and sold out. And uh, there are many different reasons we can fight this thing and we will. And uh, the, the, the transactions are not completed yet. They still have to go back and purchase additional land. The Port of St. Bernard, to show you that uh, somebody in there wasn't too sure of themselves. They have the right within the two year period that if the Port of New Orleans due diligence doesn't work, they can buy the property back. Uh, 
Gene, this is, this is one of those moments where for me personally and for all of the people in St. Bernard, this is the fight of our lifetime to save our parish. And the message that we're sending out to the Port of New Orleans is, this is not gonna happen because you're doing something that is wrong. You're doing it for the wrong reason. You're not only gonna destroy a community, but you're going to ruin the opportunity for the state of Louisiana to be meaningfully in the container, uh, in the container hauling business. I need you to uh, uh, explain that last part a little bit because I'm not sure I'm completely clear on that. And, and let me just clarify for people because I, I kind of, there was a segue in what you were just talking about that I, I had to kind of weave to track. So you're talking not only about what the Port of New Orleans is doing in this case, but your they also referred to the Port of St. Bernard that at some point was having difficulty and saw a solution to their problem, not really going to the parish and working it through, but just literally dumping the, the, the property into the hands of the Port of New Orleans. Is that, first of all, how I understand that? That's how it started, you're right. And that was a very so there, agreeable- So there's two days there, the, the Port of New Orleans, but also the Port of St. Bernard. That's right. And the, the Port of St. Bernard got themselves in that position. They should not have been in that position to begin with. And uh, their sellout was done without really figuring out if there was any other way uh, to do it. And uh, those are things that will come to light as we go forward here. Okay, and now part two, I want to clarify, um, you've been referring to the show at Crevasse 22. So uh, Crevasse 22 River House, of course, is the name of an arts facility um, that are on the banks of a what was a bayou, but became kind of a lake as a result of the crevasse of 1922, which was a natural crevasse. And the show that is opening this Sunday, November 7th, in that facility. And I just want you to clarify a little bit what that means. And uh, if I, it's, it's 12 to um, 5 or the, is the time frame. So plenty of time for folks who have other things to do on a Sunday. But um, uh, it, tell me just a little bit more about uh, the show so people understand um, exactly what's there. And, and as you said, it will be up uh, for quite some time now, but um, it does open on this coming Sunday. It does. And as we had uh, over the years, Gene, as you know, we've been an environmentally themed show where artists come in and they use the setting and uh, to inspire people to talk about and to understand uh, how fragile our environment is, and that's worked quite well. Uh, I've always liked the idea of showcasing St. Bernard. It's a beautiful area down in St. Bernard where uh, we're located. And also an important message that we uh, talk about, and it's gonna be part of this show also, is that St. Bernard is a community that is absolutely on the right track. We are going forward, our property values are increasing, Araby is one of the fastest growing uh, rural areas in the United States. Uh, and we have in St. Bernard uh, a steady, positive growth. Uh, one of the things that we have, Gene, and you've inspired this, and we've been discussing this over the years, is we're developing creative industries in St. Bernard. We have the Ranch Studios, which is extremely successful. It's one of the largest, uh, not only in the state, but all over. And in the past seven years, we've done- As a film production studio. Pr yeah. Production studio. And, and, and so it's proven 
And, and that's an industry that comes in that doesn't pollute. That's an industry that comes in where we have a lot of people in different uh, disciplines working there. Uh, from my office, the ranch campus is 25 acres. We have 250,000 square feet under roof. And we have the potential to expand over at the Ford plant, which is another 225,000 square feet on, uh, on 27 acres with, with river frontage. That is the direction those of us who have been working hard over the years to have St. Bernard advance. And a project like is being proposed by the Port of New Orleans would turn us into an industrial wasteland, a mega massive uh, transportation system for 18 wheelers and for train. And in uh, St. Bernard, in addition, has uh, one of the uh, uh, deep rooted, most deep rooted histories in our entire regions. We have a culture down there. Uh, we would, we've been down there since the Battle of New Orleans. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the Isleños uh, community, and I'm a descendant of my father's side of that community, uh, were there to defend, protect and defend. We fought in that battle. And over the years, uh, we've just developed the, for instance, the uh, San Bernardo Highway that's going down. They're just going to take the liberty in proposing to reroute it. Uh, that's a historic highway we have down there. You just don't go into a community and say, step aside, we're going to destroy you because this is within our jurisdiction and control, and we're going to make profit, and it's just tough. You're just going to have to give it up. And at the end of the day, what would it be giving it up for? These are ships that are coming in with containers that uh, have nothing, everything inside of those containers uh, are foreign. There's nothing in there that was built in the United States. And when they hit that pier, when they hit that berth where they're coming in, they got to hit the ground running because they got to get it and they got to get it to all of the stores and so forth. And we would just be a pass through. And uh, there's no economic value that could, uh, uh, could, could pay for the, the, the destruction of a community. But in this case here, it's all smoke and marrows when they talk about uh, the economic gain. I'll just give you one example. Uh, they don't pay taxes by law. In addition to that, if you're a member of the Port of New Orleans Club, and there are many members who are there who get the right to set up warehouses, uh, don't try to collect taxes for their who's there for the people who are there, the companies that are there or with the warehouses, even though they for profit and they're competing with other businesses that are offsite uh, is in, in New Orleans, uh, Errol Williams had tried to collect taxes on one of the warehousing companies and the Port of New Orleans sued him, said, you can't, you can't do that. And so there is very little economic value because mainly what you're talking about here is, is, uh, is truck drivers who don't live here coming in, going out. And by the way, creating uh, massive amounts of pollution. I mean, they refer Eddie to- trucks. Uh, 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 you know, uh, I, I picture these, um, these uh, big ships that come in with these mountains of containers on top of them. It's really phenomenal how many of these containers are carried by just one ship. And how many ships are they projecting that would come in a day? And how many trucks uh, would uh, come in a day? Because I've heard numbers that just are unbelievable. Yes, and what they have on their plans, their concept drawings and everything they presented uh, to the people in the beginning at least, where there's two births to begin with. And each one of them accounts for a million TEUs a year. And then they have the projection for a third birth. 
and uh, those are just massive amounts of, of uh, containers that would be uh, would be placed there and uh, and so they would have to get those out and I got to tell you they haven't been straightforward they keep moving uh, the numbers around As a matter of fact I understand there was a meeting last night and can you believe they referred to it when citizens were there asking questions they said well how many vehicles how many containers will be on the highway oh well, that's fluid fluid they need to know if they get you know they, they're going to build this billion and a half dollar project they're going to put these massive ships there and they already told us they're going to have two berths with a million each and they get and they, and they have room for a third berth uh, they they have not been straightforward with talking about the number of vehicles, uh, uh, the number of trucks that would be involved. I refer to it, you know, the old saying, there's an elephant in a the room, there's a herd of elephants in a room here. And uh, the reason they haven't talked about it is because their goal is to get this thing far enough down the line where they have containers on the ground, then it becomes everybody's problem. They're not going anywhere then. And I can tell you, uh, we're going to stop them before they get to that point. So, um I'll bet that if you looked at one of these other ports where, quite frankly, the ships are, are, are sitting in a, at anchor off, off the port because there's so many of them coming in um, at once and is not enough room for them all. But um, uh, there's probably some numbers that uh, can be acquired that, that project if you have you know, X number of ships that come into a port, into a berth in a day, uh, and those trucks have to move those containers out immediately, basically, how many a day that would be. So at some point, those numbers are, are, can be uh, obtained. But um, the other thing that I think that uh, I'm very interested in, because I think there's nobody who doesn't want to see our port successful and, and succeed in competing against ports around the world. We, our port has been an important source of the economic um, uh, you know, essential uh, uh, raison d'etre, the reason why we are all here in this location. Um, so I don't think anybody is saying we don't want shipping and we don't want containerized shipping. But, but what I'm understanding is that they're posing this as the only alternative, whereas there has been exploration of other sites in the river further down and even in Plaquemine Parish. So explain why um, those particular uh, um, uh, alternatives um, are not on the table? Well, first of all, they are proposing an antiquated, outdated port for the very reasons that we can see the problems going on all over the world right now by trying to uh, rely heavily on truck traffic, number one. And number two, they're doing it because the way the law is set up, each port has a little kingdom along the river. And it so happens that the Port of New Orleans has jurisdiction in St. Bernard. So if you go outside of St. Bernard, they can't put those warehouses up for their friends. They can't profit from it. So they are striving to go forward as quickly as they can to establish in St. Bernard. As you said, there are viable alternatives on the table and have been for many years. Uh, there are some in Plaquemine where very much less impacting uh, communities and also they have more room, it's deeper water. This port is going to be uh, dependent upon a constant dredging of the Mississippi River 
to get the existing mega ships to this location. And as we speak, they're designing them even bigger. How deep can you dredge the Mississippi River? And what a waste of money. We saw what happened when they dredged the Mr. Go for years and dredged it to the point where all of our weapons were destroyed. And the alternatives in a deep water make more sense a lot more sense and that's the future of it because number one you don't have to dredge number two you have a reliable predictable schedule for the ships to come come in offload on smaller vessels and then they can service all the way up the mississippi river up and down the mississippi river and they could determine which ports are the most efficient to get the goods to and like i said it would even provide an opportunity it could be a pivotal point in the gulf of mexico well, we could serve as South American countries, but they're not going to have it any other way because they want it within their jurisdiction. And by the time they're finished doing it, uh, it will be antiquated. It's antiquated as it is on, on the books here. And there's no discussion about these others. And Gene, as you said, uh, this isn't just pie in the sky. These are people who have been working on these proposals for years. And you don't just take a massive project like this and try to ram it down somebody's throat because it benefits you. Uh, to the detriment of the whole. At the end of the day, uh, our goal is this. We want everybody in Louisiana to step up and see who these folks are at the Port of New Orleans and say, no, you're not going to get away with it this time. And even though, you know, they may not be able to stay in North Louisiana, they might say, well, that really doesn't touch us. But what does touch them is if, if the state of Louisiana has the opportunity to be in this business in a meaningful way. And what they're doing now by ignoring these alternatives for their own uh, greed is to deprive everybody in the state of Louisiana from having a viable alternative that is futuristic and that will work. What's the timetable on this? I, I was just reading a story um, in The Advocate uh, a couple of days ago about um, uh, the St. James uh, situation is a project there that um, citizens are opposed to uh, that would involve um, increasing pollution levels as a result of the plant. And um, they pointed out uh, what they saw as a flawed study by the Army Corps. The Army Corps actually had to acknowledge they were right. And now they've started what's called an EIS project or environmental impact uh, study, which apparently that takes a while. That takes a couple of years. So um, uh, how are we going to sustain the uh, energy from citizens on this over uh, 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 that kind of a time frame, or is there some way that the port is trying to um, uh, cut that short? Well, they're trying to cut it short in this way. They just want to, so like getting a Trojan horse into St. Bernard Parish filled with millions of containers and hoping that nobody sees what they're up to. And once they get it there, let it be somebody else's problem. As far as the length of the battle and how long it will take to do this, you know, uh, there are certain times in life where you're fighting a battle that uh, is worth whatever time it's going to take, whatever it's, efforts it's going to take, and whatever resources it's going to take. Uh, and uh, so we're, we're up for the battle. And uh, we're, we're not going to just lay down and let them do this to us because we know it would be total destruction. And we know the way they operate. You know, not, not unlike when they came in and they did the... Uh, uh, they came down and blew up the levee in 27. They came in when they did the uh, Mr. Go. It was the same show, same show they have now. Oh, everybody's going to benefit economically. And it was total destruction. And when you're facing something like that, and you know what the consequences are, you know what the end game would be, uh, we're going to be in there th for the long haul. 
However, we're going to knock the blocks out of, uh, from under them in the beginning if we can. And, and their effort is starting to fail now because people are seeing that uh, they're not being straightforward and telling us what this is all about. For instance, the CEO, again, uh, of the Port of New Orleans was quoted as saying, oh, the infrastructure is in place in St. Bernard. Uh, this is, we, we got to go there because they're the quickest to market. Uh, and, uh, and it's not so. We don't have infrastructure in place to sustain uh, what they say is coming. And then they try, to, they, they try to walk back the numbers. They're all over the place with the numbers. Uh, it's easy to do the calculations and, uh, and, and it's massive the amount of traffic that will come. And then they try to say, oh, well, we're only going to do this over 25 years. Well, if they have a plan in place and they're soliciting people to come in and bid uh, a million and, uh, and a half, a billion and a half dollar project, and uh, they can't answer the questions as to how they're going to handle the traffic when it hits the, the birds to get it through St. Bernard out in the market. Uh, all they're doing is trying to hope that people would uh, not pay attention. And then wake up one day and see that you have all of this traffic that uh, all of a sudden St. Bernard is turning into an industrial wasteland uh, and say, well, we'll just we'll just move out. We're not going to let that happen. Well, this sounds like an epic battle. And um, I admire your um, courage and energy for taking it on. You, you, you didn't have enough already going on in your life and your law practice and your film studio. So I, I know this is um, uh, at a cost uh, to you personally and to others who are involved organizationally in this. Um, so I do encourage uh, people apparently for the show that's gonna open on Sunday um, at the Crevasse 22, um, which is uh, right there in Portress. And um, it's it's uh, on Sarah Lane, uh, right by the, uh, the Mississippi River levee and um, from uh, 12 to five to kind of get some of the images that will be available to show people um, I think one of the things I understand uh, from uh, the folks who are putting the materials together that um, you're really going to see um, what St. Bernard Parish looked like before um, earlier in its uh, in, in a time when you still had a lot of natural resources, which you still have, by the way. I mean, the fishing industry is still really powerful and, and, and important to uh, not just St. Bernard, but the whole state of Louisiana. So um, I, I do encourage people to come. And uh, will you be there? Absolutely. So uh, if, if folks want to engage in, a, in a, a direct conversation with you and learn more, they can do so. And I think obviously from the conversation we've just been having, um, you have a, a lot of information to share. So um, good luck with the show on Sunday. And, um, and thank you so much for making time to talk with us. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. All right. Um, good luck on Sunday. And um, y'all, uh, I think this is obviously um, another um, quote, Battle of New Orleans that we're in the middle of, and it'll be very interesting to um, to really pay attention and get involved, I think, for folks, especially in Baton Rouge, but not just at Baton Rouge, because this will have an impact in the whole metro area and the state. All right. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody who's been listening and uh, to the show today, and um, I hope that uh, you'll be back next week when we'll have more of the artists who are working uh, in their teams uh, with Prospect because that is the big thing at the moment. And I want you to learn more and more about it so you can go see the different um, sites around the city uh, where new art is being presented. This is Jean Nathan for Crosstown Conversations on WBOK, what people are talking about. Try to find peace within without stepping on one another and do respect the
can, yes we can, can or why can't, if we want to, yes we can.